Welcome to Sports Spectrum, the sports and faith podcast that brings Jesus back into the conversation. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This episode of the Sports Spectrum podcast with former Texas A&M and Oklahoma quarterback Trevor Knight, part one of our conversation, is brought to you by Compassion International, Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. That's the website to go to and check it out. I'm telling you, you'll see a list of children on the website that are waiting to be released from poverty. Pray about it. Look at the list. Choose the child. Sponsor them. $38 a month. You do that. And you release a child from poverty. It provides them with food, education, vocational training, all done in the name of Jesus. $38 a month. You can make the difference through Compassion International, the most trusted child development ministry in the world. They do it right. And again, it's $38 and it's the best $38 you'll spend every single month. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Sponsor a child today. Today's guest on the podcast, Trevor Knight, former Texas A&M and Oklahoma quarterback. He played at Oklahoma from 2012 to 2015 and then played at Texas A&M his senior season in 2016. He was the 2014 Sugar Bowl MVP, passing for 348 yards and four touchdowns in leading Oklahoma to a 45-31 victory over mighty Alabama, the Crimson Tide. Trevor then was in the NFL for a little bit, playing with the Arizona Cardinals. They signed him to a three-year deal before he was waived a year ago, September 2nd, 2017. He also signed with the Falcons and was in camp with Atlanta for a little while uh, before being released and then having back surgery. And Trevor is now back working out, wanting to continue to play football. And he signed with the new San Antonio team in the Alliance of American Football Spring League, which is set to have its inaugural season next year in 2019. So we'll watch Trevor there. And this podcast is a two-parter, and it's a really good, deep look into what it's like to be a quarterback at a big-time program. And Trevor's story, Trevor's journey is really a great one because in the first part of this podcast, we talk about returning from football and him believing that he still has football left in him to achieve that dream of playing in the NFL. We also talk about quarterback, the position that he played and has played for a long time and where that started. We also talk about his faith and we hear his faith journey in part one about his testimony and where he came to know Christ as his Lord, as his savior. And then we talk about pressure and being a quarterback and being what I would call famous. He doesn't like that word and I get it. I don't like that word either, but just what the fame and notoriety that comes with being the starting quarterback with a big-time program like Oklahoma and like Texas A&M. And I really wanted to talk to him about just the temptations that come uh, in being a quarterback at a big school, even as a believer in Christ. And then Trevor also shares a story about his dad um, who was stricken with cancer uh, when he was in high school and how he walked through that difficult season of life uh, with the Lord and what he learned from his dad during that time as he fought cancer, who is his dad now cancer-free, which is a, a great testimony there. So lots of good stuff here in part one. Let's get to it. Without further ado, here he is, Trevor Knight, former Texas A&M and Oklahoma quarterback, part one of a two-part conversation here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Take a listen. Trevor, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Appreciate you having me on this morning. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. I'm glad we connected. I listened to your podcast with uh, my friend Richmond Weaver on Rich Take on Sports and really 
liked what I heard and Rich connected us. And now it's been good to to kind of talk to you a little bit, get to know you and even more get to hear your story and your journey of sports and faith, which is what this podcast is about. But before we kind of go back and learn about your story there, I, I know that you're back sort of getting prepared and ready to play football again. You signed with the Cardinals last year, uh, played through the preseason, was waived, signed by the Falcons, then you had surgery. And now you're returning with the Alliance of American Football Spring League uh, in San Antonio. Tell us about the decision, I guess, to kind of return to football. You're still only 25. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, ever since I left A&M that last year, college football, which was fantastic, um, you know, went and, and trained out in Orlando and then did the combine and had a really good combine. And like you said, went out to Arizona, then Atlanta, and then had surgery and, um, you know, sat at home for they allowed me to go back home to San Antonio, sat at home for four to five months um, and, and really didn't know if that was the end of football for me or not. And so ended up getting healed up, started working out again um, and was very pleased with the uh, response that I got from NFL teams, went around and really was flying all over the country and worked out for a bunch of teams. And then still from time to time now, get a, get a phone call kind of asking how I'm feeling, how I'm doing, if I'm ready to go. So that's kind of where the decision came in to keep pursuing football. If it was one of those deals where, you know, finish rehabbing my back after surgery and don't hear from any teams, nobody has any interest, then I think I'd be okay hanging up the cleats. But I don't feel like I've put my best foot forward yet as far as uh, pursuing that dream of mine that I've had since I was a little kid. And if there are teams still calling and, and still a little bit of interest and my name's circulating, then I figured – might as well keep chasing the dream. It's a, it's a unique time in life and it's a unique opportunity. So decided that uh, the Alliance of American football would be a really great opportunity for me. I'll be, get to play in San Antonio, which is my hometown um, with a lot of great talent, a lot of great coaches. And hopefully that's a springboard to maybe getting back in the NFL or even just playing football for a few more years. How hard is that, you know, to how hard was it to sit or sit out, I guess, to have that back surgery and to go through, you know, in faith and life, whatever the, the ups and the downs to deal with that of having surgery and thinking maybe you won't play again, because that's always a possibility. The back is such a, a delicate sort of type of surgery. You just don't know how it's going to respond. How difficult was that for you? It was difficult. You know, it's I don't know if it's a fortunate or an unfortunate thing, but I've been through injuries before. And so I had faced that adversity of, of going through injury. Now I had never had surgery up until that point. So that made it a little bit different, but just like anything else in sports, I, I love the parallels between sports and life because you have to deal with real life emotions. You have to deal with heartache. You have to deal with triumph. You have to deal with, you know, disappointment. There's, there's all the different emotions that you have to deal with. And so it was just another, bump in the road so to speak um for me and my mindset was never oh this is um you know going to be life altering it's going to be hey you know god how are you going to use this there's a reason for this this time um what's the purpose for it and really just kind of lean into whatever he had me had me called to do in life and i in my heart of hearts i just don't think that i'm done playing football yet and um Sure enough, you know, get these opportunities to, you know, maybe it's not the NFL right now, but 
this league is going to be something really, really cool. And it's an opportunity to play football game, an opportunity to impact people's lives. And so that's what I'm looking forward to most. Yeah, and it's not a league that's just a hodgepodge pickup league in the backyard of somebody's house. It's actually got a lot of big-name guys who have been a part of big programs. I know I think you told me beforehand when we were talking, Mike Riley is the head coach. He was with Oregon State and, and I think in San Diego and a bunch of different places, both in big-time college football and in the NFL. So it's got a lot of guys who know what they're talking about here. It does. It's, you know, again, logistically for me, it makes sense, but also I don't think it's going to be a huge step down in, in talent and anything from the NFL. You've got guys, I was at a launch party recently and you've got guys that, you know, have played eight, nine years in the NFL and they just got cut off a team and haven't got signed to another team. So they're going to do this league in the off season and, and hopefully get back in the league. And then it's, it's also for guys that, you know, like myself that had a little taste of it, but are, have got hurt or kind of on that fine line between getting in or not getting in. And also for guys that are, you know, maybe went to a smaller school and just want an opportunity. So, you know, I, I think you're right with the names that are in it. You know, Steve Spurrier is a head coach. Mike Singletary is a head coach. Rick Neuheisel is a head coach. There's a lot of NFL type names, NFL caliber players. I think it's going to be a lot cooler and more competitive than some of maybe these other quote-unquote spring leagues that you've seen pop up in the past we're talking to trevor knight here on the sports spectrum podcast trevor you mentioned the dream since you were a little kid to play in the nfl so tell us about that dream growing up when you were a little kid because you're known for your time playing of course quarterback at oklahoma and texas a&m and we'll talk about that sort of dynamic of having played for two very large big time college football programs in a bit but was quarterback that position for you when you were a kid? Was that always, uh, you know, the dream? And if it was, how early did that start? Yeah, you know, my story of sports starts from a really early age. I was lucky enough to have two brothers, um, which made a very competitive household. But <laughs> one of my brothers is, is my twin brother. And um, we ended up playing at Oklahoma together and, uh, you know, played our whole lives together. But I remember watching home videos from our second birthday party I think you know just just learn to walk you know a year before whatever else and we're shooting hoops on the little tykes goal and that's all we wanted to do and then I remember growing up watching movies like the sandlot and getting all decked out in my baseball gear and Mm -hmm. I was just always about sports and you know from an early age I also saw success in it Um, I remember we used to have to bring our birth certificates me and my brother to our t-ball games because we were a little bigger than everybody else but I would hit an inside the park home run every time and my twin brother would hit it over the fence every at bat. So we, uh, we saw, we saw some success early on and then, you know, moving all the way through, we, I always had somebody to throw to in the backyard, always had somebody to play one-on-one against. So really just the idea of sports kind of shaped my life in that way. Um, and then, you know, once you get into high school and you start kind of narrowing it down, what's best for your future, it ended up being football. And uh, I was always the quarterback. My brother was always the receiver slash tight end. And that's just kind of the way it went. And uh, honestly, have never played another position in a football game other than, you know, maybe little league and middle school defense. I was a pretty hard hitting safety back then. But <laughs> other than that, always, uh, always the guy kind of calling the shots there from the quarterback position and uh it's it's been an incredible journey for me um you know going up to Oklahoma and then to A&M and then 
you know, the time in the league so far, it's been really, really cool. Now I know that you, your brother, you have two brothers, but you have a twin brother. And I always say there's something about having a twin brother. I don't know what that's like. I have two brothers myself. I'm the oldest, uh, but I never had a twin brother. Uh, is he an identical twin with you, by the way? So we're fraternal. Fraternal. Okay. Um, but what is that like been, being twins, having a twin brother? It's incredible. Yeah. Um, it's something that, you know, a lot of people, like you said, don't, don't get to experience and, and don't really understand the dynamic, but you know, there's always, especially for us, we were super close and did everything together, had the same friends, shared a, shared a, tr- a truck for a while. I mean, we were just inseparable. Um, but you know, even as you get older, especially in sports, um, you know, it's always having somebody to push you, always having somebody that's there on the sideline when you come off after a bad play to pick you up, always have somebody, you know, that's kind of in your corner when you're walking through things. And um, it, it really was a, a, a truly special dynamic for me. And then, you know, when I when I transferred, that was the first time in my life that I'd played a football game without my brother on the sidelines. I think it was we, we talked about it one time, I think our first 17 seasons of football we played together and then that 18th one we were we were apart so that was that was interesting but uh it's it's a truly unique dynamic I even I got to throw my twin brother a touchdown pass at Kansas in a big 12 game Hmm. which was maybe one of my favorite memories of all of college but um you know he's my biggest fan I'm his biggest fan and it, it was a really really cool experience for us to get to play together it's a faith in sports podcast here with Sports Spectrum. So we, we ask questions that maybe a lot of others won't ask or don't ask about faith in Christ. So let's ask you about your faith. When did that take shape for you? Maybe growing up, what was it like? And then obviously there's a difference between uh, the faith of maybe the family that you grew up in versus your own faith. Tell us about that. Yeah, so my faith started pretty early on. I uh, We were lucky enough that my parents took us to um, a a Bible church and we got really involved in, um, in, in the youth program and started going to summer camp there. And when I was 11 years old, that's when I, um, accepted Christ into my life at Camp Tejas, which was our church camp. And, um, I remember at that time that that was, you know, when I made the decision and I, I felt the tug on my heart, I knew I had Jesus in my life, but I still for several years after that, never really had to put my faith into practice. Um, it wasn't really until my junior year where I kind of had to make the decision, is this going to be kind of my parents' faith and the way that I grew up, or am I actually going to have to put the rubber to the road and make decisions on my own and, and really live a life for Jesus? And that was my junior year. We we were you know penciled in before our football season to you know go to the state semifinals and have a phenomenal year. And long story short, we end up missing the playoffs, going five and five, having an awful year and um, you know, really my, maybe one of my least favorite years of football in my life. And the reason for that was because at the time I was getting all these personal accolades, playing really well, getting scholarship offers, but I wasn't having fun playing the game. And we just weren't playing for one another. We weren't glorifying God with our talents and abilities, um, and, and just the way that we operated. And so going into my senior year, we made a, a, a commitment to change that. And for example, you know, it was little things, you know, running out of the tunnel and instead of jumping around and cussing, we'd take a kneel in prayer and um, it, it created this brotherhood. And I'm not saying that those are the reasons that we were successful necessarily, but it created this culture and this brotherhood of, Hey, I believe in you as a person. I believe in you as a man. I believe in you as a teammate and it allowed us to meet, 
to be much better. Now, you know, my story is kind of a story of ups and downs. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, things started going really well, had one of the best and most fun years of football, my senior year of high school. And I decided I was going to graduate early and go up to Oklahoma and, and enroll and start my college process. Well, about two months or so before I was supposed to go up there, um, my dad got diagnosed with cancer and, um, you know, that was just one of the, the, the biggest brick walls I had ever hit in my life. You know, the only adversity I'd ever seen is, you know, a twisted ankle here, you know, a bad game here or there in, in athletics. I had never seen true life adversity. Yeah. And so that's really where I had to lean on something and someone so much bigger than myself. Um, now God always came through and he always has, and he always will. And, uh, instead of going up to Oklahoma, there ended up being a numbers issue and I wasn't able to go up early, but I had graduated early at that point. And of course, at first there was frustration surrounding that because I had done a lot of things and sacrificed a lot of things, but you know, it is an unbelievable part of my story and and God coming through that, you know, I got to sit there with my dad at all his chemo treatments and radiation and really be there for him in that time of need. And my dad's fantastic today, cancer-free and, and, goes to every single one of my games, hasn't missed one yet. And, um, you know, that's just one of the examples of how God has used my story and, and sports to kind of get me through. And then, of course, we could sit here for hours and hours and hours, Jason, I'm going to be honest, and, and tell you all the stories of me going through college and dealing with all the temptations in college and yeah. battling the starting position and being the backup and going back and forth between that and injuries and through all of that, the constant in my life was always Jesus because that's the only thing that's going to get you through it. And, you know, if you start worrying about, hey, this throw here, that throw here, this game here, that game here, you're going to be on an emotional roller coaster ride through life. But if you focus on God and know that he's the only consistent thing in this world and everything else is a byproduct, you just live with a lot more joy in your heart. and You enjoy the experiences you have so much more. So. I know that I'm getting a little long winded there, but, um, you know, that's a little bit of piece of how, you know, God and, and my faith and and sports kind of have collided throughout the years. I'd like to go back if you're okay with it to the time when you find out your dad has cancer and just kind of dive into a couple of things. First of all, what you saw in him fighting, uh, you know, and how he battled it and then what, you know, what that taught you, but then also what you learned about yourself in faith, because listen, even the most strong Christians that I know and the people who've had this deep spiritual grounded faith, when adversity comes, it still is a struggle to say, what are you doing here, God? What What is happening? Uh, in some ways, even walk away for a little bit and just be like, I don't want to have nothing to do with you if you're going to do this to us. Tell me about that dynamic as far as what you learned from God and then just watching your dad battle through this and maybe what he taught you. Yeah, I was always fortunate enough to be surrounded by incredible mentors and incredible people that spoke into my life. And, um, you know, like I said, it's cancer is, is an awful thing. And it's one of those things, especially in my family, that, you know, everything had just gone smoothly. You know, I had a great upbringing. Uh, my parents were wonderful and loving and supported us and gave us everything we ever wanted and needed. And again, you know, in athletics always was kind of the bigger one, the better one, never had seen that adversity. And so, um, you know, it was that senior year where I was, you know, committed to go play at Oklahoma and everything was looking great. And, uh, we were actually moving houses. Um, and so we're walking boxes up and down the stairs and 
I just, I had noticed my mom at the time, she was just kind of not helping a whole lot. She was staying real close to my dad and she just kind of looked defeated. And so I knew something was kind of going up or kind of going wrong. And so eventually we we're at the top of the stairs, obviously a moment I'll never forget. And um, my dad said, Hey guys, I need y'all to come here. So, you know, obviously me and my two brothers go over there and he said, Hey, I, I went to the doctor this morning and I'm going to fight it. And of course at the time, you know, it's like, what, what are you talking about? What does that mean? What is, you know? And, um, you know, he said, I, I, uh, I noticed a bump in my neck when I was shaving a couple of weeks ago, went in and got it checked out. And, uh, I have cancer squamous cell carcinoma. And, um, and that was just, I mean, that, that cold feeling that runs all the way through your body that, you know, what, you know, not, not to us, not to my dad, not to our family. You know what I mean? That, that type of feeling. Um, and so I went in my room and, you know, cried and everything and just decided from that moment I needed to be there for my dad and wanted to have this fighter's mentality. So I actually went to Academy that day and I bought a pair of blue boxing gloves for my dad. And, uh, we wrote a bunch of scripture on it and, encouraging words and um really the kind of the scripture that i threw on there was isaiah forty one ten, which says do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you and help you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand and that's what i wanted the message to be to my dad that i was praying for him but that he did not need to fear that god was with him that he was going to strengthen him he was going to get to get him through this and um and that's just kind of the mentality we took through that um you know waking up every single day and there were very hard days for my dad and uh, but just constantly re- being reminded that there's a plan for this something great's going to come out of this it's part of the story it's strengthening your testimony um just keep fighting keep doing it have that warrior's mentality and and you're going to get through it so uh you know obviously something that nobody wants to go through but um really strengthened my re- relationship with my dad which was already I thought to be as strong as possible um, and God's just used that experience to allow me to, you know, down the road, speak into kids' lives whose kids are going through or whose parents are going through cancer or, or be more relatable when it comes to being vulnerable with people. It's, it really has strengthened my story and our family's story. You mentioned earlier about temptations and we all have them and going to college and what those temptations look like. And I'm just not meaning like, you know, to do drugs and party and, you know, sleep with women and those kind of temptations, not that those weren't there, but just temptations overall to basically put the hand up to God to say, I'm good here. I got this. And when you get to Oklahoma, you start in your redshirt freshman year in 2013, your, your 2014 Sugar Bowl MVP. And then you're getting the attention and the pats on the back. And now it's, okay, Trevor Knight, he's the man here. Tell me about success in the eyes of the world and accomplishment. And then the temptations that came along with it. And take us through sort of how you were able to kind of walk through those and maybe even the struggles that you went through a little bit during that time. Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned to start off, all those normal temptations that a young man faces in college that's still there that's there other things don't just cover that up those are the temptations that you know a college male and really just a college age person faces so there were all those but then yes just playing football adds another dimension especially at a big time school you've got the pressures of the outside world the pressure to compete against yourself um you know the constant microscope that you're under on 
you know, how are you acting on and off the field? You know, what, what are my, what is Trevor Knight going to do to slip up so that we can put him in the media? Those types of things that, you know, as an 18, 19, 20 year old kid, that's sometimes very difficult to handle. And yeah. I think for me, um, you know, again, I was lucky enough to have people that came before me and then people that s- surrounded me once I got to college that really gave me good perspective and reminded me the platform that I was afforded and, and able to use. And I'll take it back a little bit. I was a big Texas fan growing up, and I know that's not very popular now with both of my fan bases, but <laughs> my dad went to Texas and uh, room was burnt orange. And so I was the world's biggest Colt McCoy fan growing up. I used to go to Austin and walk around Daryl K Texas Memorial stadium saying that I was, uh, I was Colt McCoy's little brother. And, <laughs> you know, I always watched him and the way that he conducted himself and he got it. He was a role model that you wanted to be like, and I was lucky enough to be able to, to follow him. But when I got to school, although I didn't realize it at first, I kind of got to understand like, Hey, there's kids out there that are watching me. There's people out there that are looking at what I'm doing. And and that was a humbling experience because you just don't think of that as, as you know, uh, uh, yourself and, and that you're at that level, but there were. And so a good piece of advice that my dad has always told me and continues to tell me this day is somebody's always watching. And it doesn't matter if that's a kid, if that's an adult, if that's the media, if that's your roommate, somebody's always watching what you're doing. So make sure and be a great example for everyone around you. And so I took that approach first off. I wanted to be a great example to the kids, to my teammates, to everybody around me that I was doing things the right way. But also I have to give an enormous amount of credit to how grounded I was in college and, and really um, how I was able to fight some of those temptations to my roommate, Ty Darlington. He was our center for two years at Oklahoma. He was our FCA president. He um, really was one of the big reasons that I started going to Haiti um, there at Oklahoma. And he was a guy that um, we were able to to have deep, true talks, um, you know, be vulnerable with each other, be accountable to each other. And then we would also meet every single week with a, a man that I would consider a big brother to me and, and a guy that discipled me all throughout college. And his name was Adam Barnett. He actually was the leader of our Haiti group um, there at Oklahoma, but also a college pastor in Norman. And it was, you know, walking into that coffee shop every week with my roommate who I was doing life with and, and with a man that was speaking into our lives. And, you know, there were times walking in there as, you know, beating Alabama and being Sugar Bowl MVP and talking about Heisman stuff. And then there were times walking in there with, you know, a busted up shoulder and not starting and, you know, getting um, named the backup. There was every single area of life that we walked into that coffee shop every week. And still those guys poured into me, kept me grounded, made me realize that was something much bigger than the circumstance that I was going through. Um, And it gave me that perspective to fight all of those temptations. It didn't matter what the media was saying or what the outside world was saying. It mattered what my identity was and I found my identity in Christ. And so it just made everything much, much easier to walk through. How are you finding, uh, not finding, I guess I'm going to ask that again. What, what, when you're in college, who's telling you, you need to be around people who are older than you to mentor you? Because I think when you're, especially as a quarterback, 
and you're around coaches all the time anyways, telling you to do this and do that and, and working through you. And they can be mentors as well. But I'm talking about from a, from a real life spiritual level, you talked about meeting with um, your mentor there. That, that takes a lot of maturity, I think, from a 20-year-old kid to, to seek that out and to find that. Did something happen where you were, you're like, I need some guidance here? Or did he just kind of introduce himself into your life and you just found that this man is is somebody that you need to be around and learn from? You know, I, coming into college, I, I knew that um, I already had some of those principles and experienced some of those things before. So, yes, I, I knew that that would be a good idea to have somebody like that. But I wasn't actively seeking that. Like you said, it it really was God putting people in my life, especially my, my roommate. That was really out of chance. Um, and And that fostered those type of interactions. Um, you know, to be really honest and be really candid, there's days where I woke up on Wednesday mornings and did not want to go to the coffee shop and have that time because, you know, I had class and I had workouts and I had, you know, to go watch this extra film and I was just stretched so thin. But every time you go and you push yourself through that and you make it a point to go and be consistent and be diligent about doing things that you know are good for your life it always ends up being the best days. And so the, on those days where I woke up and, and didn't want to go and get filled up, I'd walk out of that coffee shop and feel like I was on top of the mountain after that. Like I could conquer anything regardless what situation I was going through. And so it really was about having that accountability really with somebody else, but honestly, just with yourself and in your own heart, I know this is good for me. I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Go make it happen. It'll provide so much more more joy and comfort through this situation that you're going through than if you just try and do it on yourself. Because I'm a firm believer we can't do this this life or anything by ourselves. Good stuff there from Trevor Knight, former Texas A&M and Oklahoma quarterback. That was part one of our two-part conversation with Trevor. In part two, we go a little deeper in his faith. I wanted to know about the decision to transfer from Oklahoma to Texas A&M and the moment that he really thought it was time to move on uh, from being at the Sooners and going to Texas A&M and really how his faith played a role in that. So I asked him about that. Uh, he also talks about, which is really cool, about a, an opportunity that he had to go to Haiti and serve on a missions trip in Haiti uh, both with Oklahoma and then with Texas A&M, and how they kind of merged together. Fantastic story. Maybe my whole, my favorite story in the whole entire podcast is coming in part two. And then, of course, I had to ask him about Katy Perry because the whole Katy Perry incident on College Game Day came about uh, because she mentioned his name, and then everything just kind of changes. And all of a sudden, the fame that you're a part of as being a, a quarterback from a big-time program at Oklahoma kind of escalates to a place where you don't expect because Katy Perry and her 90 million, whatever it is, followers on Instagram and Twitter, when she mentions your name, people who aren't sports fans start to pay attention. So we talk about that as well. Good stuff here from Trevor. We thank him for joining us here on the podcast. We also thank you for listening. And we thank our sponsors, Compassion International. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. We've been telling you about the website. We can't stress enough how amazing Compassion International is. We're so grateful to have them partnering with us on the podcast and all of our content at Sports Spectrum and being a partner with us. But the work that they're doing, 
The place that they're providing for people to sponsor children and release them from poverty, I mean, it's off the charts. It's amazing. Over 1.8 million children have been released from poverty because of the great work being done at Compassion International. Your chance here to make a difference in a child's life, $38. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Sponsor a child today. Just imagine the difference that you can make in a child's life, especially with Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays coming up. Man, what a great gift to give a child, releasing them from poverty, food, education, medical care, vocational training, all done in the name of Jesus through Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child today. Thanks for listening to part one of our conversation with Trevor Knight. Part two is coming tomorrow. Make sure you download, subscribe this podcast. Let others know about the intersection of sports and faith and the stories that are told here at Sports Spectrum. Of course, you can reach us directly at Sports Spectrum at Sports underscore Spectrum on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email me, Jason at Sports Spectrum.com. And of course, every single piece of content that we put out is available. Videos, first-person articles, daily devotionals, these podcasts, they're all found at sportspectrum.com. And a great way to help be a part of our ministry is subscribing to the Sports Spectrum magazine for just $18 for an entire year. Go to sportspectrum.com, subscribe today. You'll love our magazine. It really is an awesome, awesome magazine. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast.